0: Hello, and welcome to Confessions of an Aging Ingenue. I am your aging ingenue, Jenny Tooley. I'm so excited to have you here today. We are going to get started here in a minute, but first, I want to extend a personal invitation to you to join us in the confessional. Wednesday nights, first Wednesday of the month, check it out at jennytuli.com. You might even end up in the confessor seat. Okie dokie, here we go! Today, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, for this first season of unedited and uncensored podcasts, I've been talking about uh, the making of Stuck because it's premiering, so I thought it'd be a great time to tell Stuck stories. And I have something that is not specifically a Stuck story that I want to tell today, Um, it's It's related though. So I'm not even sure how to open up this particular podcast. So let's just start and see what happens. Have I told you about the time? Hmm, I was born a woman? (laughs) I guess that's the focus. Yes, I was born a female human in 1972. And I was raised. So if you think about that, 1972, okay? So I spent my very early years in, you know, the mid 70s, my middle school and high school years in 80s and then I graduated in 1990 to go to college. And I had always thought of my generation, which is Generation X, as being, um, like, really, like, all the, the there were, it was no holes barred for women, you know? We were free to do whatever we wanted to. Um, all that old thinking was gone, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until a few days ago... When I went to see a movie called Maiden, that I got a different perspective about the time I was raised in and some of the core beliefs that I think I am still battling. And um, as you listen through these podcasts about the making of Stuck, you can definitely hear an overarching theme (laughs) So I went to see this movie called Maiden. Definitely go if you can go. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon or Netflix or something. Um, but it's worth going to the theater for. It's a solid film. It's a documentary about the first women's um, sailing team that was in the race that I cannot remember the name of now um, that went around the world. So it's a sailing race that goes around the world. And... A women's team was created because one woman, Tracy Edwards, she was in her, what, early 20s at the time, got it in her head that she wanted to be in this race. And so she went to one of the other crews and said, hey, I want to be included in your crew. And she was an experienced crew person. And this is an all-male-dominated area, sailboat racing and the crew, the, the captain was like, no, <laughs> we don't want a woman on our ship. And she went away, and she was like, no, I'm going to do this. And she came back, and she finally said, you know, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I want to be the cook. And I think they let her do one leg of the journey. I don't remember all the specifics. But basically, if you were a woman at that time, and you wanted to do this around-the-world race race, your choice if you could even get on a boat was to be a cook. You couldn't do anything else and you probably weren't even going to get on the boat as a cook. So she decided she was going to do it, she was going to do it on her own. And this, you know, journey happened of creating this all-female crew, trying to find sponsorship. It spent she spent 2 years trying to find sponsors and people kept telling her Companies, corporations kept saying, no, we won't sponsor an all-female crew, or uh, no, we're afraid that if something bad happens to you guys while you're out there, it's going to be bad press for us. Um, So so just people didn't believe that they could do it because they were women. Then when they finally got the boat, and the crew, and they set off on this journey, all these press guys and all these men at this pub basically said, hey, you know, let's start a pool and how long you think they're going to last. And apparently, nobody even thought they were going to make it through the first leg of the race. Um, and in the press, they were just slammed, like at the beginning of the race. Everything shifts and changes eventually, but you know, as she's setting out on this, they're just being slammed in the press in this chauvinistic, rude, patronizing way. What I found fascinating was this was happening in 1989. <laughs> so this happened between September 1989 and May of 1990, which is exactly my senior year in high school and when I graduated. It took him three years to lead up to this point. to to do the race. And then the race was 1989, 1990. And they were having all these problems in 1989 and 1990. And it took about an hour for me after the movie for it to sink in that this story wasn't set in the 60s. It wasn't set in the 70s. It was set when I was graduating from high school so all of this uh, thinking, all of this kind of old school thinking about what women can and cannot do was still very much in play. And yet there was a duality there where I was believing that we could do anything. And I think maybe that was helpful for me to have that idea in my head because I've done a lot of crazy ass shit, you guys. (laughs) Like, um, I've done a lot of things and people see me as a very independent person and very adventurous. Um, But I didn't realize how much internal struggle and fighting I was having to do to make all those things happen for me. Because really underlying there my core belief was i'm really not allowed to do a lot of these things and somewhere i really have a sense i can't do these things and i don't know if that's because i am think i'm a woman or whatever but i know there's a correlation here um and i i did not speak out during the me too the height of the me too movement when everything was going on in my industry um my way of approaching that is I I decided I didn't need to be telling stories about this stuff. I needed to be taking some actions and letting it begin with me. So my focus and my energy was placed on being a woman with other women making a film in my industry and presenting a beautiful work of art um whether or not it was a studio work or anything like that, that, you know, that was me. Let it begin with me. I'm just going to do my work. I'm going to do the work and produce my work. So I didn't tell a bunch of stories during Me Too, but I have had a number of people ask me recently about my experiences, and I had started sharing some of them with them. And I may do that later. uh, But there are a few things that I can share right now that are just really simple things that are related to this. Um, it wasn't until stuck, actually, that I was on a set with a balanced out number of women and men. My first, the first director of photography who was a female that I ever worked with was Chris liked on stuck. And I hired her. And I don't want to make this a women-men thing, because I don't really believe in all of that, but I think it's important for me to acknowledge some of these things. Um, I don't like getting into this us and them and blah, blah, blah. and Blah, blah, blah. We're all humans. You know, in 2007, I made a film from the perspective of a guy and being inside of his head. And I was actually challenged and shamed by someone publicly for doing that. At... A panel for a film festival, another woman called me out while I was on the stage and said, you made a film about a man. Why would you do that when there are so many women's stories to be told that aren't being told? Well, you know, good point. But my point was, it's a human story. It's coming from a human perspective. Why can't I tell that story? So, So I just want to make it clear, this is not an us against them thing. It's just literally acknowledging, like, this is the, the the environment, the climate that I was in that maybe I didn't even notice at the time. Um, I, on every set, now that I think about it, I'd look around and I'd see women cast members, a few of them. You know, we didn't have a lot of awesome roles, uh, still very male-dominated there, and I would see uh, makeup and wardrobe, generally women, not always, but generally. And I remember a couple of women in the sound department. Generally speaking, though, everybody else was a dude. I have only, I'm trying to think of how many women directors I've worked with. And I think I've only worked, I don't even know if I've worked with any of y'all. Goodness. And I mean on screen. Now, on the stage, yes, I worked with at least one. Um, and even then, I'm sitting here going, I worked with one female director on the stage? Really? Okay. Um, so, yeah, a little out of balance there. Uh, I remember being a co-producer in UPM, and now I'm thinking about it, I'm going, wow, okay. And, and often you can find an assistant director who's a female That is a role, and sometimes you'll, and and UPMs. So, yes, I did work with Susan Kier. Her husband, Rusty, was directing the film, but they were co-producing it together, and she was the UPM, I think. Um, So, you know, every now and then you'd see a UPM, because that's, like, the person that's keeping, taking care of the house, right? She's taking care of the house, She's taking care of all the domestic business, making sure the budgets go along, making sure everybody gets where they need to go, you know, (laughs) making sure everybody's schedule is on. So those roles were, um, sometimes you'd find women in them, but like all the other ones, no, no, all dudes. And I remember being at an after party for Montclair, which I co-produced and UPM'd. Um, and UPM means unit production manager. And I looked around, and that was actually the first time that I realized I was the oldest person in the room, and I was in my 30s, yeah. And I also realized I was the only woman at that after party. (laughs) So I was really used to being around guys in those situations. When I got to Stuck, we, man, we just had such a great balance set. Carissa was a DP. We had a couple other women who were in our group and Electric. Um, we had, let's see, war, all of our wardrobe soups and all of our makeup artists were women. And this wasn't by design. This is just how it happened. I actually had somebody ask me, well, did you hire somebody based on whether they're male or female? And my answer is no. I hire first As to whether or not you can get the job done. And and luckily, I just happened to find my way into a cadre of amazing women. I had attracted amazing women to me. We had all female producers. Um, We had a really strong... All of our leading people were women in our cast. So we had a lot of estrogen on the set, which was... Fabulous, and I've been told in the past, I've been um, given compliments in the past, particularly by guys, saying to me as a director, you know, I really enjoyed working on your set because there were, you don't you didn't have a lot of testosterone. You weren't you weren't um, directing and leading as if we were in a war zone, which is generally how sets work, sadly enough. Um, so anyway, it just started to occur to me and we're opening at a women's festival that again, not by design. These are not things that I was like, I'm going to go out and be a woman and I'm going to be a feminist. No, none of that happened. I think it's just been an ever evolving understanding for me that, um, like to embrace who I am, and that part of, you know, who I am is that I'm a woman. And yes, we have been generally underrepresented in the studio system. Um, and, you know, I work in a male-dominated industry, just like Tracy Edwards did in 1989. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I do realize now that as I was moving up through my industry, it actually, it was that bad. It was a male-dominated industry. So, yay. I'm super excited. I'm really uh, starting to be able to own more of being, standing by myself um, as a producer and as the representative of our film and as we move toward distribution I know it's going to be a challenge for me because, again, this is another area where I thought somebody else was going to come along and hold my hand, and they were going to get it taken care of. Probably not going to happen. And I hope, hope, hope that I have not, like, upset any dudes out there because, man, I love my dudes I've got some amazing guys on my cast and crew. Oh my God, you guys, they bring amazing energy with them. They balance me out and uh, I love working with you and I always have. So I hope that this didn't sound like some kind of tirade and I don't think it did. It really is just an acknowledgement and realization that this is this is where I grew up and I'm still growing up. And um, I I need to know, where am I trying to get to here? I need to know that that was part of my youth culture so that it doesn't affect and influence my adult culture. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm Jenny Tooley, your host. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about today's episode. So please comment, review, follow, subscribe, all those things that keep our podcast thriving. Until next time.